Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. International News Review. And it is time for our International News Review with Steve Oaken, a senior advisor at McClarty Associates. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Neil. You know, I went to a restaurant last night. Was there for four hours. What? So I, I wish they had. Ki- I wish they had kicked me out after ninety minutes. I'd be feeling a lot better this morning. I'm, You'd be feeling I'm, a lot I'm richer. changing my view from last week. Yeah. Four hours. How did you manage that? Yeah. You know, we were out with friends, the the, the Rogoves, who I know you know, Glenn. Oh, sure. And, and yeah. it just. We haven't been out for four hours in such a long time. Yeah. We took advantage of, of, of the ability to do it. Now, was this part of your uh, your pending birthday celebrations, the, the month of Steve that we're uh, that we're in right now? Of course, it's it's the uh, <laughs> part of the pending birthday celebration. Since I'll be spending my birthday with you guys next week, I have mm. to have the fun now. There you because go. Because it's not going to be. There, and as it's going uh, to be your seventieth, is it like seventy <laughs> days of celebration? Or <laughs> it's. It's it's going to be fewer than Glenn's month oh, of celebration. So oh, oh, that's what it comes down to, doesn't it? Okay. Well, that's it for our international <laughs> yeah. news view today. Well, I'll stand. Dan, which one looks younger? <laughs> Dan, could you all right, me? all right, all right. Okay, let's move on. We got a lot to talk about, and and some and some uh, pretty serious topics as yeah. well. Uh, Anthony Blinken, yeah. U.S. Secretary of State. Um, talking to ASEAN leaders this past week on Wednesday. Uh, a lot of uh, I'll say strong words. I'm not sure how much good they'll do uh, toward ASEAN, Steve. Well, I mean, no, I mean, this is part of the White House's realization in, in their words that they need to step up their game when it comes uh, to ASEAN. And so you're going to see a lot more engagement. This meeting should have and was supposed to have taken place a while back where the Secretary of State meets with his ASEAN counterparts, but uh, he did it. He gave a, a, a strong message of commitment to working with and supporting ASEAN when it comes to, to COVID, as you mentioned, when it comes um, to standing with ASEAN and rejecting China's claims uh, that are unlawful when it comes to the, the South China Sea. And But of course, he also said that the U.S. has deep concerns about Myanmar. So, you know, strong, solid messages, but part of the administration stepping up its game in, in Southeast Asia. And this is a question, Steve, I feel like we ask every week. Yes, you're right. He urged the 10-country block of ASEAN to to take immediate action on that five-point consensus that we've mentioned on this show before. But again, same question. What kind of impact will it have? Will this five-point consensus be adhered to in any way? Will it make a change, basically? Well, I mean, it, it hasn't, and, and it's in that you're getting even a, a more dire situation now with COVID uh, in Myanmar. So you've you've got the humanitarian crisis, you've got the the political crisis, you've got the growing, you know, civil war. Uh, almost uh, is certainly if you're at the stage of seeing the types of attacks from civilians mm. against the government. Uh, against government informants. I mean, this is the worst uh, of the situation where you had, you know, back in the troubles uh, in in Ireland, mm. uh, you know, a while back. So, you know, like there's only like there's only so much the outside world can do. ASEAN has got to step up its game, and it it isn't China and Russia are are in a way blocking it. And you have countries within ASEAN who who'd say we're well, not going to mess with internal affairs. So. Hopefully the U.S. can help, but it can't help all that much. Yeah. The um, is, do we have a sense of of how um, what Blinken's style is going to be? He's been he's been out in public now for several months, uh, talking to various partners around the world and, and things. If we if we maybe compare him to 
prior uh, secretaries of state. Any sense of what that style looks like and how he, how he stacks up so far, though it's early days? Well, I, I'm sure he will not be speaking at the Democratic convention, uh, <laughs> prepping his run for the presidency, uh, as did the last Republican secretary of state. Right. Uh, so, you know, back, back to the traditional, uh, certainly, foreign policy approach the United States has had, both from Democrats and Republicans. I think you see uh, his his way of trying to approach China from the outside in, right? So we're going to have the quad, you know, the uh, Japan and Australia and India and the U.S. working together. We now have to bring ASEAN into the fold, but to do so in a way that isn't going to make ASEAN choose between the U.S. in China. Very different, very difficult diplomatically. Um, but it's going to be a results-based approach. How are we going to make a difference? How are we going to deliver as the United States? But at the same time, leading with our values when it comes to human rights. So it's, it's not an easy task. Steve, you've just written a piece uh, published today, I believe, about what businesses, regional businesses should do in light of this development. What should they do? Well, and, and it's what should businesses do? What should the government do? And how does the U.S. business community work with the U.S. government in ASEAN? And there has been a lot of discussion. You know, you're not doing enough here. You're not you, you're, you're not present enough. We now see the secretary of state getting that meeting with the, the uh, you know, with his counterparts. We would love to see a leadership visit uh, to the region. Hopefully that will happen sooner rather than later. No senior White House person has been to ASEAN. No cabinet official has been to ASEAN. Now, the Secretary of Defense was supposed to be here in Singapore, but the Shangri-La Dialogue uh, got canceled, so some of this is COVID-related. So part of what the business community needs to do is continue to push the U.S. government to engage. It's also to show the U.S. government how it can find solutions without bifurcating the world, right, And, and having to choose between the U.S. and China. We are pushing very hard as a business community on data, getting data agreements so we can have cross-border data flow so that data can be protected, but you can still have business working and you don't bifurcate between the U.S. and China when you're doing business here. And so that's part of what the business community is, is doing now as well. Steve, you had a, a letter or a, an, an opinion piece uh, along with David Dennis uh, yesterday, I believe, for yeah. the American Chamber of Commerce in Malaysia talking about this new Biden-Harris administration uh, approach uh, the Trump administration wanted to do individual deals and individual discussions with countries. And now what I'm hearing you say is that the Biden administration very much, uh, in the case of the Quad and others, wants to, wants to bring sort of more unity to groupings to accomplish things. Is that, is that uh, accurate? Yeah, no, I mean, the, the theory of the Trump administration was well, – the theory of both the U.S., of, of any administration, Trump, Biden, any, is what – can we do to advance the United States interest? What can we do that is in the best interest of the U.S. Um, and, and, and its people? And the Trump administration, which was the really only administration which had this theory, was it's best to do this unilaterally. The U.S. is the biggest market. We're the only superpower in the world. When we negotiate one-on-one with anybody, we have an advantage mm. because we're bigger and stronger and tougher. Therefore, we're going to focus on bilateral negotiations. We're going to do a, a one-off agreement with Japan. We'll do a one-off agreement with Korea. Um, we're not going to get into a, a, a plurilateral or multilateral negotiation because we lose our leverage. Everybody else will, will, will gang up on us or dropping out of the Paris climate, you know, accords as, as an example. 
the Biden administration says, well, what's in the best interest for the United States is to act multilaterally. When we can bring everybody together, mm-hmm. when we can all go in the same direction, that's good for the United States. That's good for everybody. And we're going to find partners, we're going to find allies, and we're going to do win-win solutions, and we're going to rejoin Paris, and we're going to come back to trade agreements and try and find some way we can engage multilaterally instead of what the United States now is outside looking in when it comes to TPP and it comes to RCEP and other regional trade agreements where we're on the outs. Well, speaking of countries working together, the EU has just mm. unveiled an, amb- an ambitious climate package, uh, Steve, as it calls on fossil fuels. Now, this is about the 27 members all coming together to reduce carbon emissions in the region. What are your thoughts on that? Well, this kicks off a two-year process. It is going to be incredibly contentious because everybody's in agreement we need to reduce emissions the u.s both the u.s and the eu they're in the eu and this particular proposal says we've got to reduce emissions by 55 percent by 2030 and be carbon neutral right by 2050 well how are you going to do that this is the beginning of that what is going to be a very tough negotiation so the eu has said no more combustion engine cars right by the time that can be manufactured Uh, in the EU by 2035. By 2035, 80% of all flights have to be on planes with sustainable aviation fuels. Well, how are you going to get there? How are you going to to ensure that you can do that uh, sustainably? And then you have, and the U.S. is is, is proposed this as well, you know, like basically a border tax on carbon, because what you don't want to do is have all these tough you know, stringent restrictions on your companies, and then everybody who pollutes on the outside can then ship in, and then you're you're, you're you've hollowed out your manufacturing base. So how do you then keep the the benefits from this and not have them just shift to the to the outside world? It's a start of a very tough process. It's, I mean, sadly, the timing couldn't be more prescient with the events in North America, you know, the, the shocking burning of towns oh, in, in Canada and these, parts of America. These floods in Germany? Floods in Germany and, and, and Belgium, Belgium yeah, record-breaking yeah. floods, record-breaking temperatures in North America. Now, obviously... In Beijing as well, right? Beijing as well. Yeah. They didn't anticipate that. So are we talking purely about we're finally listening to the science or are there economic imperatives here as well, Steve? It, I mean, it's both. I mean, I think this finally, you know, the economic imperatives outweighed yeah. the science. Uh, now the planet is screaming, right? Had to say, wake up, you know, and, and you mm. don't have much time to fix this. Uh, or, you know, like, you know, there, the New York Times just did a great article, Glenn. I don't know if you saw in our, our hometown of Chicago, mm. uh, which is, you know, going to get flooded with wastewater because the the water is not going to be able to get into Lake Michigan because of, of the climate change that's happening there. And so cities are going to get to be unlivable. We yep. have to do something. So now you're going to have these very difficult debates. How are you going to, you know, so if you're going to put all of this tax, for example, on palm oil, um, what's that going to do to the to the small shareholders in Indonesia who make their livelihood that way? So you balance, you have to balance the economics mm. with, with the, the environment. But at the end of the day, the environment's going to win. And 
Steve, part of the, the, the carbon tax credits or these, these different taxes that are being put on, uh, I think many people want to know, okay, so we're paying these taxes. Where is that money actually going and what percentage of that money that's being collected is actually going towards something that's going to help the environment rather than just another government tax and it goes into the kitty and who knows where it actually goes, right? Are, are we seeing any more um, moves toward accountability or accounting of where some of those funds are going. And this is, I know it's a big topic, but uh, what have you heard anything uh, when we talk about border carbon taxes and things like that? Oh, Glenn, you sound like a, a Republican senator in Washington, D.C. Oh, it's a reality, <laughs> though, know, right? You know, collecting so all this it. money, where the heck is it going? Is it really doing good that it should be doing, right? Well, I mean, the first thing you say is, and, and the Democrats just came out with a proposal, and it's, it's you know, there's no, you know, no, no substance behind it, but the, the proposal is on a polluter importer fee, right? A polluter importer fee. If you're going to pollute when you, by making steel, by making aluminum, whatever it may be, we are going to put a, a tax on you. Mm. We're going to put a tariff on you to come in. Um, now, the hope would be that you don't ever have to collect that fee because right. the, the fee would, would, would force you to take steps to not pollute to begin with. So, I mean, I think that's hmm. the, th- the answer behind it is we don't ever want to collect this fee. Right? We don't want to. What we want to do is, is, is put the cost on you to change your behavior. Um, and what the Republicans say is, oh, well, you know, what's the government going to do with this money? And you're going to drive inflation and you're just going to redistribute and, and all of all of these, you know, parade of yeah. horribles you come up with. But that's not the point. The point is not to raise government revenue. The point is to stop people from polluting. So it's a stick. If you can, if it, you can, it's using a it, stick it, rather a, than a, a carrot to get people to do the right thing, right? And there's plenty of carrots too. You give people tax breaks if if they're going to do solar, if they're going to do other renewables, if if they're going to figure out, you know, how to, uh, you know, treat water. Uh, so you have carrots and you have sticks. The the polluter fee it is a stick. It is not a revenue raiser. Mm. You don't want it to be a revenue. Well, let's get to those carrots. I mean, just to put it into context for our listeners, parts of Germany, Glenn, had more rain in two days than they usually get in the whole month of July. Uh, The Canadian National Daily Heat Record was exceeded by five degrees. Five degrees. And in Death Valley in California, they registered 54.4 degrees Celsius, the highest temperature ever recorded on planet Earth Mm. since we've been taking temperatures. Mm. But it's okay, Steve, because some rich billionaires are going to save us, aren't they? They're going to set up settlements on wherever they're going to set them up. And what's happening, Steve? They're all going to save us, these billionaires. Well, you and I are going to be totally opposite. I suspect we will. But carry on. Let's see where Glenn comes out with. Look, if... if, if Jeff, look, we all use Amazon. We all love Amazon. Jeff, Jeff Bezos had a, a great deal, a, a great idea. He created a great business. He made a lot of money on this. And if he wants to spend it going into space, he can do whatever he wants with his money. It's his money. And I'm glad he invented Amazon because I use it, you know, all, all the time. And I'm sure all of us use it all the time. And Neil, if you want me to buy your book, I'm probably going to get it shipped to me on Amazon. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. But other so delivery services are available. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm still waiting for you to personally come by and give me an autographed copy. But Look, we'll talk about that I, later. you know, I know there's been a lot of spend, spend the money. It's his money and it's, it, and it's going to inspire people and it's going to to, to uh, inspire people to go into science, go into engineering. 
I love what he's doing. The, um, uh, the, the big story, of course, uh, has been this past week, Richard Branson went to space. Now Bezos is going to space on the 20th uh, this coming uh, week. Uh, and the, the youngest person ever is going to fly with him, an 18-year-old. But it has ignited this, why are, why are all these, these billionaires having this billionaire space race? Mm-hmm. And I get that. I get that. But I also think, uh, Steve, as you've just mentioned, hey, it's his money. He can do whatever he wants. But let's even take it a step further than that. You know, in the case of Bezos, for example, he's he's donated $10 billion to fight climate change. $10 billion. And, and so I, I, think it's, I think it's not fair to say that these guys are just wasting their money. Plus, we know the technology that both Branson and Bezos are driving will have implications far beyond them being the first two guys in space, whatever mm. that is. But I think you feel differently about him. NASA astronauts do exactly the same thing. The world's best scientists do exactly the same thing. The people in international space stations right now do exactly yeah, the same thing. Yeah, but governments aren't spending money on this. And this idea that, you know, Branson and uh, Bezos and uh, the other one, Musk, are going are gonna to somehow contribute to the space technology and show us things in their 10-minute flight or whatever it is, 20-minute flight, that we can't already see from satellites and international... Uh, that's not the point. And the Earth, it is the point, and the Earth has looked exactly the same from space since, as we, since Apollo 11 landed in whenever... That was. So there's nothing they could tell us from space that international space stations can't already tell us and satellites. That's point one. Point two, it's the it's what it looks like, right? We can't, we said this before, mm. we can't even go to Batam at the moment. And we're supposed to applaud billionaires going to the edge of space. I mean, optics are everything at the moment. Do what you like with the money. Spend it on a billion KTV lounges for all I care, right? It's your money. But not in Singapore. Yeah. But <laughs> they're, they're trying to get the optics. And Richard yeah. Branson completely messed it up because he thought he was going to have this massive PR exercise. Nobody cared. Nobody cared because he did it at the same time as the Euro final and the Wimbledon tennis final. It barely made news in mm. the UK. Nobody cared. The days of 20 years ago where he goes up in his hot air balloons and gets everybody excited, they're long gone. They want to spend their money, great. But this idea that they're going to you know, f- launch the final frontier and, and contribute to, no, I'm, I'm not having it. It's a, it's a PR exercise. Steve, what do you think? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, the, the one thing where I think we'll all be in agreement, where th- th- this 18-year-old who will be the youngest person ever to go into space, he, his quote is, he said, the flight to and into space only takes 10 minutes, but I already know that these will be the most special 10 minutes of my life. You're 18 years old. You've barely been alive for 10 minutes. <laughs> we should be going into space. I want to be on that flight, not some 18-year-old who's going to have the... We'll start getting some minutes. money together for you, Steve. But that's the thing, Steve. I've got no issue with that. If rich people want to go to space, you're all absolutely right. It's their money. Do what you want, right? If you've got it, have it, flaunt it, whatever. But this idea, Glenn, I can't accept this idea that they're going to somehow... Some poor kid in Bangladesh is going to look at Jeff Bezos. No, 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 no. I, don't, I don't buy that at all. I don't think that's You've got Neil Armstrong for that. I don't think that's the point. And look, you know, the the astrophysicists, the scientists that are working with both Branson and Bezos are people that uh, in many cases were let go by NASA and others because the U.S. doesn't have the funding anymore to have a space race like it did in the 60s. Why do we need a space race? Well, uh, why don't we fix the planet? But it develops new technologies, right? Okay. That, but, see, Neil, that's, that, but that's, yeah, that's, that's what people said in the 60s, right? right? Okay, our cities are burning. Why are we sending people to the moon? Look at all the technology that came out of uh, NASA um, and, and all the good that it did when it comes, although now that we see what we do with social media, maybe all the, you know, the, the microchips and everything that came out of NASA, <laughs> which, which would yeah. permit all this, maybe, maybe not as good as we thought it was at one point. But look at all the good that came out of NASA. Look at all the good that came out of it. And 
arguments you're making now are the exact arguments that were made in the 1960s. We have, we have, you know, Neil doesn't remember those, Steve, like you and I do. (laughs) (laughs) But except for the fact, Steve, we've done all of that. As I said, the Earth still looks the same now as it did when Apollo 11 went up. So there's nothing that Branson can see in his 11-minute window that we couldn't already glean from satellites and the International Space Station. And we have the sun technology. We have this wonderful star called the sun, and we have wind power that could take care of climate change for us here. Why not spend the money on this Earth? That's all I'm saying. And what I'm saying is a lot of that money is spent right here on this earth, driving the economy and driving technology and driving uh, science forward. And, and look, these are private companies. If, if, if this were government entities, I think you might have an argument. Hey, why aren't we... I sp- do have an argument. You know? These are billionaires just playing. No, these are billionaires that are, they're trying to find a commercial model that works. You know, they're already, they've already been contracted, you know, Elon Musk to send things up in space. He's developed a rocket that takes off and lands no by issue itself. That. Space oh tourism God. is going to be amazing, huge. Right? Virgin Galactic, 250000 dollars to see it will be huge no issue with that then just say that don't tell me you're doing it to save the planet you're doing it to make money well and there's no issue with that i don't think they've denied that they're doing <laughs> it's it not an money. altruistic enterprise yeah. and their and their shareholders aren't denying it either right no every, uh, yeah. it's, it's just capitalism writ large yeah yeah so steve how are we going to get you in space for your 70th well i i, <laughs> I, I think a, a few more discussions like this i'll i'll take off on my own oh wait let me just say, let me just say one thing mike mike ang has just weighed in on facebook live i recognize that elon musk pushed battery technology while developing electric vehicles for example right yep. now that isn't directly related to his space efforts but it's all part of technology that he has been working on and and i agree with you mike um, there are often there are often offshoots in the, in the case of the space race in the 60s they developed new fabrics and techniques, not just rocket engines and things like that, but things that we're using today, like Velcro and, and things like that. that yeah, have, NASA's brilliant. That have added to our thing. But I think the same is happening now with, with science. Anytime scientists can get together and work on big projects like yeah, this. Yeah, you, you mentioned Mike's comment. You mentioned, you missed the one before that said, I agree with Neil. I noticed that. <laughs> but because I'm a, yeah. an enlightened guy, maybe Terrence, Terrence says he agrees with totally yeah. agree with Steve regarding <laughs> exactly. Bezos. Everyone's sponsored by Amazon this morning. That's fine. Hey, well, I was going to say, the way the, the way the planet's going, we're going to need to get on these ships and go to a different planet because we're yeah. going to be, you know, burning the fossil fuels and it's going to make this planet uninhabitable. Indeed. Hey, we got we to gotta go, Steve. We got some bills to pay here, but uh, great having you with us uh, this week. And uh, we will be back with you on your birthday next Saturday. I, I, I expect a cake and, and candles. Uh, <laughs> it's on the way. Show. Keep it's expecting. On the way. Okay. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye bye. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.